The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi. Hi, everyone. Welcome. Welcome to the Visual Workplace. My name is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'm your host. I've been doing visuality for about 30 years and loving nearly every minute of it, very close to every minute of it. So welcome to the show. This is the Visual Workplace, our weekly radio show where we explore and we celebrate the principles and practices, concepts and tools, methods and strategies, people and results of workplace visuality of letting the workplace speak. In each of our shows, we look at some aspect of that, of how to embed the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices, through visual systems, through a network of visual systems. Why? So we can reap the huge bottom line benefits and we can enjoy ourselves along the way. We get the cultural benefits with it. I will tell you that the bottom line benefits come first and they are sizable. By sizable, we see a 30, 15 to 30% increase in productivity. We see it repeatedly, and you've heard me say that repeatedly. But I want you also to understand that you, there is a partnership that has to happen between visuality and lean. That is between visuality and the process flow, the improvement of your process flow. It's not one or the other, although the sequencing that I prefer is begin with visual and move on to lean. I'm not talking about the kind of lean that encompasses all things, including a small segment of point solutions that are called visual devices. I'm talking about comprehensive visuality, comprehensive lean application, from the point of view of re-engineering your value stream, okay? There's a certain kind of attack that happens with lean that does not address what visuality does. What visuality does is attack the information deficits, the minute micro-information deficits that keep the workplace in struggle, in some level of struggle, okay? So it doesn't matter what you make, you need visuality to make it right, to make it at the least cost, the most safety, the highest quality, the least distance, the least time, whatever it is. Hospital, manufacturing, doesn't matter. You need that production profile, that operational profile. Whether you are high volume, low mix, or low volume, high complexity, the technologies of the visual workplace are there to serve your production system, your operational landscape. Mm -hmm. 
So today we're going to continue our discussion of visual leadership. We are in the supervisory management side of the equation, not the executive side of the equation. We will be there for another two, maybe three shows. Although there are three tools on the side of the uh, the triangle for supervisors and managers, beginning, beginning with visual displays and then going to visual metrics, stack metrics, which we've talked about for the last three shows and mailbag last week as well, coupled in that corner of the triangle, that second angle of the triangle, we have visual problem solving. And the third angle is the operations roadmap, which we cannot, as supervisors, put into place until the executives do their part, do two edges of their triangle. Okay? And we'll begin that in May, the executive part, and I hope that you're following. I want to keep reminding you of the framework that this is visual leadership and it is a huge component of visuality of the visual spectrum, but it has rarely been put together as a practice. Again, we look at points, we tend to look at, mistakenly look at the point solution aspect of the leadership um, component. In terms of visuality, we see X-type matrix. We see the temple or the house. We see production control board. We see the metrics, usually the KPIs. But what I want to do is put it together as an integrated whole so you see that this opportunity of leading visually, of becoming a visual leader of improvement, is truly a strategic vector And as a vector, it has force and direction. And in that, it allows us to change the nature of our leadership, to do it effectively, to do it better, more completely, more comprehensively, and to actually drive the organization towards the outcome that we want, the destination, the vision of our future, of a better future in so many, many, on so many, many levels. So today we continue our discussion of the seven set, I beg your pardon, the second set of visual devices for the supervisor. First, we have the second set in that in that second angle of the triangle. Am I making this too complicated? <laughs> so we have the stack metrics, and that leads us directly into visual problem solving. Directly, it's just a slip and a slide. Because those metrics are stacked, we're already traveling down the causal chain, and now all we have to do is set up a framework to, to collect those causes, those good causes and those bad causes. And I'll talk about that later in the show today. But what I want you to understand, and hopefully you are still fresh to this topic and as interested as, for example, your recent emails seem to indicate. Hopefully you understand why I'm enthusiastic about this part of the visual leadership spectrum or the vis- this part of the visual spectrum, spectrum that is called visual leadership. Hopefully I do not sound like background noise droning on and on about visuality as the language of leaders, powerful, effective leaders. Hopefully you get it. Leaders who try to lead the enterprise without in the embedded tools that I call visual devices have to do a lot of pushing. And that pushing may gain them inches, 
but it will never turn into a driving force forward, a driving force for change and for goodness, for contribution, for improvement, for stability and reliability in your organization. This reminds me of this pushing, pushing, pushing to gain a little reminds me of a story. This is about my mom, Geraldine Augusta Galsworth, when she was about 90. What a woman, full of sweetness and joy and loveliness and determined as a prize bull. She had her will and it was not yours. No part of her will was yours to command or even influence. My, you did not cross my mother. She knew her mind, and when she was getting old, she still knew her mind, her will, it was hers. And believe me, she had a very, very tough life. I could spend 20 shows describing her journey and her beauty and her struggle. And yet she was not to be stopped. She was a force, even when she weighed only 103 pounds and she was 90. And she had survived my father, I mean, survived in the way that when he died, she was still alive, and that was a miracle because he was his own kind of number with his own kind of will. They were like, what, a cabbage and a banana. No two people could be more different, and yet they were married <laughs> for, what, 50 years. Oh, my God. The wrong kind of struggle. So my mom was getting old. My father had passed on. And I wanted to spend some time with her, a chunk of time. So I moved to Long Branch, New Jersey, on the Jersey Shore. I moved from Boston, and I determined to stay about six months. I lived in her house. I say that because this house was hers. <laughs> and there was a lot I wanted to change about it. The kitchen, for example, big old kitchen stuffed with stuff. And there was a credenza in that kitchen that took up a lot of room had a record player inside that didn't work. That's how old it was. It had a record player inside, but it was a piece of furniture on which my mother put her impressive collection, for example, of plastic roses. My mother loved roses, so why shouldn't she have them all year? If they're plastic, they last all year gingerbread. She would kept telling me that. And boxes and boxes of this and that were also on the credenza and pictures of us and everybody else were also on the credenza and an old stinky old TV, detritus, detritus, debris. But the part that got me about this darn credenza is that when you sat at the far end of the kitchen table, you had to squeeze yourself into the, yes, plastic chair. You had to squeeze in sideways because the credenza took up so much room. And at the other end was the refrigerator, and you needed to have room to open the refrigerator door, so you gave it up on the other end where there was a seat, and you'd squeezed in there, you held your breath, and if you ever wanted to leave that chair, you had to hold your breath and <laughs> brace yourself on the table and squeeze yourself out. You know, it was a nightmare. So somehow I convinced her to put the credenza at the curbside and give us a break in terms of being able to sit down in that chair and let the monthly furniture pickup that the city provided cart the darn thing away, cart that misery away. And she acceded. She said, okay, gingerbread, of course you're right, I'll do it. And two brawny neighbors carried that sucker out to the curb, a monster, heavy. Little did I know, little did I know what was to come. 
So there I am sitting in my room at the front of the house on a lovely summer's night. The windows are open, soft summer breeze, and I hear in the night this. (laughs) Coming from the sidewalk on the other side of the hedge. Well, I had to see what it was. I mean, what is that noise? What's going on? I go out to the sidewalk, and there's my 90-something mother, five foot tall, 103 pounds, white-haired, little mom, throwing her full weight against the monster credenza uh, uh, and moving it, moving it an inch a fraction of an inch. Oh, dear. That was Kevin to give me the cue that it's time for a break. The story is taking too long, but it's really amazing. She was moving this credenza. It was 10 o'clock at night. It was dark. No one could see her. The neighborhood along this tree-lined street was asleep, and my mom and her will had changed its mind, and she was going to get it back in her kitchen. She was never with the decision to begin with. I clearly realized it at that moment. She was going to get it back into the kitchen when I wasn't looking. So let's connect the dots here. You, whoever you are, have that will. You are that will. And some of you have agreed to use some part of it for the corporate intent. I'll tell you what happened next with my mom. Let me finish up that story. The story was... It couldn't be done. She could not get that credenza back, but she decided that she could, and she, she and her will dragged her body along for the ride. And I said, I, all I, I, I saw it, and I said, okay, Mom, let's do it. Just give me a minute. I'll figure out how we will get your credenza back. And just then, one of these brawny guys who had helped us in the afternoon drove up. He was a plumber. He must have had an emergency. I hated to do it. But I knew there would be no peace if I didn't. I said, hey, I didn't say, hey, Sonny. But I said, hey, could you lend me a hand? My mom has changed her mind, and I can't do this without some help. Well, he got another guy. He looked at me and knew that I couldn't do it with him. He, he would be carrying too much weight. Nine minutes later, the credenza was back. And what a lesson that was. It was a lesson in the human will, its power and how we own it and how we can turn it to our purposes. And when we connect the dots, you have that will, and so do I. And some of you, some of you have agreed to use that will in support of the corporate intent. You are a manager, you are an executive, you are a supervisor. You want to lead, you want that success, you want to create a world at work that works. But the will alone cannot do the lifting you need help the brawny guys down the block, the ones who are willing to come out in the middle of the night to lend you a strong hand and a certain outcome. And their names in the workplace are visuality, visual devices, effectively implemented. These are the workhorses of your organization. They love to help you. They want to help you. They work and work hard. And all you have to do is ask them. And the first But first, but first you need to know that they're there, okay? And in that way, you know that you can put them in place. So we're going into a break now. We're going to continue this conversation. I will bring you into uh, visual problem solving. This will take us a couple of three shows. I think you will find it very, very useful. I hope 
when you're listening, you're listening with your pen and pencil, and that you actually implement these some of these pieces, if not all of them. This is a primer. This is how to do it. This is this is exactly what I do with more words or less words with my own clients. If they say yes, or if I can induce them to say yes, we go on this ride together. And it's splendid. <laughs> so I'll see you in a moment. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth. I'll be here when you get back. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Today's business marketplace is becoming increasingly global thanks to technologies that didn't even exist a few short years ago. Your business might be a startup or you might be one of the global 500. Either way, you're probably looking at customers and competitors in faraway regions. Listen for Global Reach with host Tay Revez as she brings together experts, ideas, and listeners to help you anywhere in the world. Global Reach is broadcast every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, welcome back. Welcome to the second segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth, and we are at the cusp of beginning a discussion of visual problem solving. And by the way, in 2012, February 21st and I think 28th, I did two shows on uh, visual problem solving related to doorway number four. I was first, I was explaining the doorways if you are familiar with my work, that model of my work. Um, so you can get more there, and I'll mention that again later on when we get closer to some of the topics that those shows focused on very, I think, very well. We're going to go into greater detail this time, but I said th- some things in those shows that I'm not going to repeat here, but it's still familiar ground if you were listening two years ago. So I, w- I was talking to you about the will to lead, the will to lead, the will for uh, to contribute, the will to improvement, this is a part of who we are. But officially, those who enroll in that are 
our supervisors, our managers, and our executives. And darn it, I'm getting a clear signal that I have to make some announcements. Ah, okay. So let me make these obligatory announcements. Please forgive me. Uh, still. So we have filled room in Oklahoma for the Visual Thinking Seminar on May 14th and 15th. There are like over 75 people who have registered, were sold out. There's no room in the room for more. But there is still room in Portland for our Portland event, June 3rd, Visual Thinking uh, Seminar, June 4th, Visual Leadership, and June 5th, the Visual Site Assessment, similar to what we're doing in Oklahoma. So please uh, find that on our website, visualworkplace.com, and come and see us and get a dose of this with the pretty pictures. <laughs> I'd like that a lot. The UK is checking along. AME is sponsoring us in Oklahoma and also in the UK. We're doing the Royal Mail Visual Leadership on the second week, Hotel Chocolat on the first. On the second week, I was talking to Frank Welsh just yesterday. He's the plant manager uh, at the Royal Mail in Nottingham. This is the largest mail depot in uh, the UK. And up until six months ago, barely six months ago, the Royal Mail was privately, uh, publicly held and the doors were shut. Barely six months ago, the Royal Mail became a private organization and is now open to the public and to public events such as the one that we're doing with AME again, uh, Association for Manufacturing Excellence, AME, um, on week two of my UK stay. We're doing visual leadership, and there it is. And China is still cooking. You'll know the details when we know them. It's going to happen at the end of June, beginning of July. Mm -hmm. And we are also going to have a training of trainers this summer or in the fall. About it. I do this about every two years. It's going to be our on-demand webinars as a package and a license set, plus four days of live training with me. Very, very nice. I think splendid, wonderful training. And please call us if you want details. We are have just sort of made up our mind about that uh, because somebody pulled us into it. Thank you very much, um, Bill. I'm sorry. Thank you very much, Bob. I'm sorry. (laughs) Thank you very much, Bob. And um, this is really going to be gorgeous, gorgeous work, and I hope so. And have you noticed there's a kind of quickening of interest in workplace visuality? People, you, companies, have consumed lean and waste reduction related to the critical path, and they either want to amplify their gains or anchor them or extend them through visuality, the perfect choice. So you can check out the details on visualworkplace.com or email us at radio at visualworkplace.com. Okay, so let us return to where I was a few moments ago. And that is, I was talking about that we, all of us, want to become leaders of improvement. We have this in our hearts, this will to improve, this will to change, this will to make a contribution I have seen it in the hearts of many, and I see it in the hearts of supervisors, but they're so darn busy. And you've heard me complain about that before. And that's why this model begins with visual displays, to give our supervisors time, a margin of time, to actually get into the work of improving their areas. Visual problem solving is perfectly attuned to that. So I'm going to walk you through the model, but I want to first make a disclaimer. I want to tell you that I like, 
I love A3s. I have seen them put, been put to amazing use in many, many companies. But when I look closer, I notice that some, not all, some companies use A3 to kind of organize the noise around a problem so that it becomes more approachable. But I rarely see deep, deep problem-solving results, solving a problem to the point of creating actually a new way, a complete solution, mm-hmm. one that can be understood, put into place, adhered to, maintain, and then built upon. I like A3s, but I believe that you can also use a more robust, less exterior methodology to chase down and ta- tackle those complex chronic problems, the very, very costly problems, the ones with multiple sides, multiple contributing feeds of bad causes. So when I speak to you as a manager and supervisor under the umbrella of visual leadership, I am saying that leading has to encompass problem solving. You cannot ignore the problems that are standing in your way. Leading is, is directional. It is vector force. It is direction plus force. And you can't just throw problem solving over the wall and say to operators, for example, it's yours, change it, use it, own it, do it. Now you are empowered, da-da-da-da-da-da. That's not the way it works. Problem solving and the selection of the problem solving method is as much a leadership decision as anything that you call leadership. A decision about which problem solving methodology to use. Keep your A3. Of course, it's serving you, but also adopt a more robust approach, please. And that is what I want to talk to you about now, a more robust approach. And I will tell you that selection will make a huge difference because the fact of the matter is problems have many dimensions. A3 will attack one of those dimensions and do it fairly well. But how do you connect all the other causes? These nested layers, these clusters of bad causes. It's as though... The problem itself is a living, breathing entity, an organism, and it wants to survive. That problem wants to survive. It has many tentacles stretching out into your organization, feeding it. And you have to have a problem-solving methodology that goes after those as well. Hmm? So we're looking at causality as a major component of our excellence, of our journey to excellence, and we need a problem-solving methodology that will stand up to that, one that is chosen not on the golf course, not through marketing, but because it has been vetted and seen to be able to address the chronic complex causes, the ones that eat us alive, and we don't see it because it is so multivariate. The causes are so multivariate. Choose the mechanism and choose it wisely. Let's have small victories and let let us celebrate them, but let's keep our eyes opened and our brain connected. 
Let us go where no one has gone before to explore and conquer vast new worlds. Deep, deep problem solving. And I want to suggest this to you as a supervisor, to you as the supervisor, as an act of your leadership. And the mechanism that I'm going to describe to you, which I call scoreboarding, but it has its ancestral roots in CDAC, cause and effect diagram with the addition of of cards, that mechanism will allow you to change the nature of your work, of the work that is done in your area. In the best of all possible worlds, it will be selected by two levels above you, by the CEO or the plant manager who will select a mechanism to address the deep interconnected problems, to get deep interconnected solutions. They will select a methodology. This is my methodology of choice. I spent, you know, eight or ten years uh, nursing it along and loving it. My sensei, Ryuji Fukuda, developed it at Sumitomo. And I'll have something to say about that. Let's go into a break right now. We'll talk about this more. I'll see you in a moment. I'll be here when you get back. Thank you. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. Welcome back, everyone. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth at the third segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace, where we state that visual problem solving is visual leadership. And I am uh, I've introduced, and long-winded as usual, in conversational style, as somebody kindly said it to me. No, Gwenny, you're not long-winded. You just... 
like to talk. You have conversations with your listeners. And I hope that you are patient with me. I am uh, going to substantially describe and map out this methodology, but I really want it to, in a way, be memorable. So I do tell stories around it and anecdotes and make uh, comments that seem, uh, that I hope anchor this for you so you remember it and so that you have an experience of engagement during the show. So as I was saying before, uh, just before the break, that we tend to forget the driving purpose of problem solving because everybody does a little bit of it. We take some step forward. And even though it's not a lasting solution, we do some problem solving. A3 is very good for that. But we don't address the nested condition of many, many, many problems in the workplace today. So many factors impinge. And we take a step forward and we feel the relief. That relief means that we've made some progress, but it doesn't mean the problem has been solved or solved comprehensively. And so we say it is a leadership decision to step out in favor of a methodology that has legs that are strong enough for going the distance. To keep us engaged in a scientific the architecture that will keep us engaged in a more scientific, systematic, and comprehensive process. And of course, I have a favorite tool. And of course, it's visual, hidden in plain sight. It's called scoreboarding, as I mentioned before, a descendant of CDAC. And this is a visual mechanism that incorporates the stack metrics that we discussed over the past several shows. I acknowledge my great sensei, Ryuji Fukuda, I had two of them in my life. I have three of them, actually. The one, third one I haven't told you about yet. Uh, Shigeo Shingo and Ryuji Fukuda. And I glued myself to Fukuda in the 1980s. And he mentored me through a splendid framework of thinking and alignment and leadership. CDAC, cause and effect diagram with the addition of cause. I'm sorry, with the addition of cards. I said it again. He headed up the team in the 1970s that developed this mechanism at Sumitomo. You may not have heard of Sumitomo, but what Toyota was to automotive, Sumitomo was to the electronics industry. And Fukuda and his team created this hybrid based on the Ishikawa diagram. They did this in the 1970s such that Sumitomo got such control over its organization, they had something like 169 CDAC projects running simultaneously, going after chronic, costly, complex problems that, when solved, put Sumitomo in the position to expand to the USA. And, for example, Sumitomo became a major formative force in bringing Packard Electric, known today as Delphi, well, up to a few years ago, into the forefront of profitable, a profitable enterprise and also one that was based on excellence. Packard Electric, Jim Walker at Rio Bravo 4 in the 1980s, the first Mexican plant, the first Mexican plant in, uh, in Mexico. Sumitomo was there complaining about the cracks in his windows and getting on a plane saying, look, unless you can show me a standard for that cracked bathroom, uh, restroom window, we're out of here. 
said very nicely, as the Japanese do, with a lot of bowing, but they still bowed themselves onto a plane that particular day, and Jim Walker got his lesson. This was, you know, very heady times. A lot that we take for granted nowadays were seen for the first time (laughs) on the North American continent. So I worked with Fakuda for about a, a decade, making adjustments and changes in that methodology called CDAC so that it worked for the West, where the improvement infrastructure was at the time non-existent. We had no understanding of infrastructure to support improvement. We had no understanding of improvement. So when I started my own company, then Quality Methods 1991, now Visual Thinking Inc., I continued the development of CDAC with for, uh, Dr. Fakuda's blessing, and I called it scoreboarding. I made adjustments to the model that I had delivered in the 1980s, tightened the methodology. And, and I want to walk you through that. So, and, and you can hear this in the show from 2012. The core of that methodology is completely different than what is under discussion again today. I'm sorry, than what is under discussion today. And I feel that it is a really important missing piece. I am sorry this has dropped out. But what I learned from the Japanese in the 1980s is so relevant to what's happening today. It is the mindset. It is a a, a paradigm. It is even a slogan. And that is that we, when we problem solve, we must shift our thinking away from solving a problem and look at problem solving as standard making, that we are creating new standards because a problem in the mind, the 1980 mind of Gwendolyn, which was very close to the mind of the Japanese because they were my mentors. They were mother milk to me. Before I started with, in the 1980s, I was a Latin teacher, a hospice director, and a failed actress in New York and London. What did I know? And suddenly I find myself amongst the greats, and I sopped that up. I finally had my place in the world, and I loved every minute of it. It was honey and milk and all of it warm, all of it digestible. It was what my intellect was looking for for so long, and I got it there. Big dose. Heaven. I've said this to you before. If you look underneath Toyota, Sumitomo, and the greats, what you look at is an organization that understands causality. Causality. And so when you look at a problem, instead of even calling it a problem, I learned to call it a sequence of bad causes. A sequence of bad causes that resulted in a bad effect, and that effect, another name for that is a problem. Even if you have a sequence of good causes, which is what you want, with only one bad cause, you still have a problem. So this preoccupation, this focus on causality, became and remains the leadership um, sword, the leadership sword of every leader of an organization that is on its way to operational excellence, making that journey an understanding of causality. Problems are sequences of causes with at least one of them bad. 
But in most organizations, with many, many, many of them bad and many of those causes unknown, unidentified as of yet. So we need a scientific tool, a systematic tool to unearth not just one cause that's going to give us relief, one bad cause that we're going to turn good that gives us relief, but the comprehensive array of causes that will give us a new production system, a new operational doorway, a new platform on which we can stand. And when I asked my sensei Fukuda to please define what a standard was, I, you may remember that I told you two years ago I was sitting in, a, in the lobby of a splendid Tokyo hotel drinking a cup of delicate Japanese tea and delicate Japanese teacups. And I said, sensei, please, very casually I asked, what is a standard? He told me something that opened the heavens, rocked my brain in its skull, skull, and I nearly fell off my chair. He said, a standard, said Sensei Fukuda, a standard is made up of only those elements. A standard is made up of only those elements which, when not followed, result in a predictable defect or waste. What? What? But I knew. I understood it in a flash. This was an elegant, complete, comprehensive definition of standard that both revealed what a standard was and what a problem was at the same time because it was speaking to causality. A standard is made up of only those causes which, when not followed, result in a predictable defect or waste, a predictable outcome, an effect of those causes. I encourage you to think of your problems in this way in order for the problem not to be disguised as the problem, but rather revealed as the cause. Think about it. Just think about it. And remember, the end of the journey begins with its first step. This is a case in point. If your fundamental, foundational premise of solving problems is to to get relief, You'll get some relief, but you're not going to have anything to build on. But if it is instead the mindset that we are changing cause because we can, we have to find them, then we have a whole different journey to engage in. Good cause, good effect, bad cause, at least one. Bad effect, at least one bad cause in that mix, or maybe many. So when we do problem-solving, What we're doing is we're setting up a mechanism to go after that. We're not just getting relief. We're getting new thinking, and it's deep thinking. If you will, it's systematic thinking, scientific thinking. It's the kind of thinking that speaks to each of us to say, I may not be in control of my corner of the world right now, but I will be. Because I found the doorway. It is a combination of the will, the determination, the lust for improvement, coupled with the mechanism for improvement, the architecture of improvement. This is what's so exciting. And this is why this kind of problem solving is the same as leading. You, as supervisors and managers, have to learn how to do this, and then you will teach others. And you will also model that leadership by leading that problem solving. That's standard making. This 
put you in a completely different position in terms of empowerment. You are actually teaching people new skills and new and the confidence that goes with it in order to really attack and conquer, prevail over the unknown, to go where no one has gone before. The Starship Enterprise, my favorite show. Well, one of my many. I also like Frasier. <laughs> so I'm getting a signal from our friend Kevin that I have to take a pause and go into our last break of this show. I'll see you in a minute. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. Hi, welcome back. And this is the last segment of our show. We are leading up to beginning the methodology, and then we will let it unfold over the next several shows, and then we'll move on to the executive side of the visual leadership equation. Trust me, this is very rich. All right. And, and it, it is the stuff and substance of my new book. The book that's coming out next will be Smart Simple Design Reloaded, which is just so good. I love it. Um, it was very hard work to kind of uh, recapitulate it and refine it. But the next one is this stuff here. It will be my pleasure to bring it to you, and we'll see if I can be very clear. So, a standard or an outcome is a sequence, a, a good outcome. A good, a standard, a reliable method, as Fukuda used to call it, is made up of only those elements, those causes, which when not followed result in a predictable defect or waste. I'll have more to say about that 
uh, as we begin the next show, because I'm going to reiterate that there's a lot hidden in there. Please notice that it is an inverse definition. It doesn't say what to follow, but what to avoid. Okay, what, where are the pitfalls? Where is risk and disaster lurking in your standard? Let's address those. Okay. So, the problem-solving architecture that holds this, the ancestor is called CDEC, cause and effect diagram with the addition of cards. I made my adjustments to it, streamlined it in a way that I think uh, was useful with Fakuda's blessing, and called it scoreboarding. The methodology is largely the same. Laid out, it will look like a modified Ishikawa diagram, the fishbone diagram, but diagram, but with critical and powerful differences. First of all, the fishbone, which is at the center, it's going to be bookended with your measurement mechanisms, but the center of it is two by three feet. It's big. Maybe longer. It can be seven feet by five. I've seen it many, many times. But the fishbone is with a horizontal, the, the, the center horizontal at the horizon, and then verticals coming out of it rather than slanty stuff that, slanty lines that look like the outline of a fish. That's serviceable to begin with, but honestly, those slants get in the way. I want the verticals there because I'm going to be using that space to do very, very important work at the heart of the diagram. The fishbone is the heart. But at each end, as bookends, are your measure, is your measurement structure. At the, on the left side is the past the way that you measured the problem before you began the scoreboarding. The way that you measured the problem before you set up the diagram. You mark that. It's going to be your KPI or where there is no KPI, there's going to be a letter of complaint from a customer or from an internal customer, external or internal, and your first step will be to name the problem. I'm going to give you the left side of the diagram in broad strokes and then the right side of the diagram in broad strokes and then next week we'll go into the technology with more detail. So on the left side, we've got the problem and the evidence of the problem. And the evidence of the problem is how you measure it. How you're currently doing it right now, this moment, what I call the past. Because when we get to the right side, we're going to do it a different way. We're going to use our stacked metrics there. So you have something like a KPI defect rate. For example, just find out. You state the problem. You let it be about a breath long, a breath and a half at the most, if you were to read the statement aloud. And you may be keeping track, for example, of some difficulties that you're having with a uh, burn-through holes on a um, blade, on a blade uh, for a jet engine. This is work that I did with Pratt & Whitney in the 1990s or 80s. Burned through holes. A lot of scrap happened. 7,900 pieces of scrap due to problems with the burn through holes and a bad result, about $40,000 worth of scrap back then. We measured it simply by counting. We measured it simply by counting. 
that was our metric. And you put that on the left. And you might have a problem statement that, um, at any rate, I don't want to go into the technology of creating the problem statement, but I will next week. So you state the problem in enough words to be easily understood, but not more than a breath and a half. And then you put your evidence in place and you name the team and you do this as a supervisor as your homework. This is your homework. You are not teaching your operators how to do this now. You're going to take them through the process. And after you have one successful, maybe two successful outcomes using this methodology, you'll let the operators take over because you will have modeled both how to use the diagram but also how to lead through it. And they become self-leaders as well. It's a wonderful handoff. Okay? On the, le- on the right side, which is the future, you're going to put a new way to measure. You name your team. You name your problem. You show the evidence of the problem. You, know your te- you, you name your team on the left side. You also name when are you going to meet, what's the start date, what's the target date, all that stuff, all that technical stuff. Uh, I, I, I should say, what's the start date? Yes. What's the start date? On the right side, you put what your target date and you put the new way of measuring. You put a way of measuring that will illuminate cause because in the center of the diagram is where causality resides. So you're going to use your stacked metrics on the right in order to, as you measure, already begin the illumination of cause. And you'll put your target date there, you'll put your new metric there, and you'll put a target statement there. What you want instead, what you're looking for instead, what is the level of control? And it will not say something like 100% elimination of perfect zero defects, blah, 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 blah. Pokeyoke will be part of your solution, but you'll be looking for an incremental target. So you can celebrate the, the victories at each level of relief. So I've accomplished what I've wanted to today. I've given you the framework for thinking about visual problem solving and hopefully made the connection so that you see it as a mechanism of visual leadership. It will be done by the supervisor, the manager first. We are in the triangle of visual leadership that is for supervisors and managers. This is not executive concerns. This is what supervisors and managers do to demonstrate their leadership and they use visual mechanisms in order to be effective at that. It's very clean. It isn't about your personality, but if you have one, then please bring it along. This isn't about um, how do you lead as though you have no authority. It's quite the opposite it's using your authority as a leader to make, to make change happen and to bring others along with you so they enroll in your vision. It is proactive. It's proactive, and if I may allude to my dear departed mother, wonderful Geraldine, it is using your will for the corporate intent in such a way that you become effective and the organization becomes more effective. Hmm? So we'll pick up this conversation when we meet again next week. And I may have to do about three or four shows of pre-records because of, or more because I'm traveling uh, as much as possible. I will try not to uh, utilize Encore, even though I think some of this stuff is useful to listen to again. But 
I will do my very best to keep going on with fresh shows as much as my time will permit. I've had a wonderful time with you today. I hope that you have found something of use uh, from it, and I look forward to the next time. This is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 